Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by GhostBed.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. Yeah, welcome to Drinking Bros, kids. Tuesday afternoon show today. Got a banger, D'Anthony. We got former Navy SEAL, Remy Adelecki on the show today. Did I get it? Yeah, you didn't fuck it oh up. Oh my God. Can I get an applause for that, Delco? Nope. Full name, full name. Let's go. Full, We're full not nice doing name. that. I told, Give me the applause first and then we'll go full name. I need to hear it. The joke here, obviously. the fans so low, Remy, Delco. The fans know, but you don't know, Remy, that he is yeah. a mon- he's a mongoloid and he cannot pronounce anybody's name. It's not that. Um, my parents named me Ross. It's four letters. That way, in case I was dumb... I couldn't fuck it up the rest of my life. And then I did the same yeah. to my kids. Like, my kid's name is Jax, J-A-X. That's it. Three letters. Boom. Go off into the world and enjoy yourself. Don't worry about it. Now, before we got on air, you said you've got a bunch of other shit attached to, to both of those names. Say it for the audience. Yeah, so the full name is Ade Remy, which means the crown has appeased me in Yoruba. And my last name, Ade Leke, means the crown is supreme. Yoruba. That's a lot of crowns there, Remy. I'm going to be real yeah, with yeah. you here. Champ, champ. It's like a double crown. Yeah. Your your head must be heavy. You're wearing two crowns He goes on to it. Burger King and he goes right Very back. Very heavy. You sure do. <laughs> you sure do. Were your parents Burger King fans or does that mean something else? No, nah, I mean, uh, I wish they were. My mom is a vegan. But, oh, uh, no. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was born in Nigeria. I was, uh, you know, my dad, his his father had like nine wives and kept on having. Really? Nine wives. Daughters, and then he met my to the stable. And, uh, and stable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so my dad was the firstborn son. So he inherited the title of chief and then. Inherited the Addy Lake name. There we go. Okay, we're going to stay on this for a sec here, Remy. Uh, what wife number was your mom then out of the nine wives? She was actually the number nine. So he had eight before my my, my grandmother. So she was number nine. Lucky mm. number nine. Was it an age thing? <laughs> like, do nine. you start with one and then as they get older, you start to marry younger ones in Nigeria? How does that work? You know what? This is way before my. This is in the in the thirties, forties, fifties. I can't even. So I, I honestly don't know. You know, I was I was I was I was born in Nigeria, but that was I wasn't born until eighty seven. So I'm sorry, eighty one, eighty two. So uh, that's I was totally far removed as far as what was the standard as it relates to who marries when and all of that. Yeah, but yeah. I, mean, I would assume that the wives were younger. We just caught you lying about your age. We sure did. That sure was, did. That was, that was a little slip right there. First mistake. Because he was, you were born in what, 1940, right? Uh, 96. <laughs> no, so, yeah, no, 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 no. tender age no. of uh, <laughs> no. about 27 right I, now. I think so, we, yeah. need to, we need to do a core sample on your bones. And no, find out. I, I think we got it. I think we got it. Uh, no way to look it up either on the internet. So, I think we're all fine there. But how did then, you, how old is that? Wait, hang on. But how yeah. old does that make your dad? No, I think you're talking about your grandfather, right? Yeah, so my grandfather, so uh, you know, he, he he was the one with the nine wives. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and thank then he kept God, on having the girls. Okay, yeah, 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 all yeah, right. So yeah. we can blame that on a different time and all that other stuff. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah, God. Yeah. Okay. Completely different time period. <laughs> all right. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. So once you can push it off a couple of generations, 
yeah. like whites do with slavery, then we're all good. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Where you're like, yeah. that wasn't me. Yeah. That was my grandparents who were super exactly. racist. <laughs> Spot on, brother. Yeah, because with us, yeah. you know, we're happy to have you on the show, not because you're uh, a talented author, which you've got a new book coming yeah. out, Chameleon, uh, but yeah. we also have to fill a race quota on this show or else the government go. comes after us where they're like, don't you guys have any black friends? And now we're able to say, all right, look, yes, we do. Like your yeah, July. That, we've been yeah, trying to pass. Uh, <laughs> we've been trying to pass Rocco off as black for a long time. And they're like, he's not black. They're like, he's not black. He was in a TV show about Mexican gangsters. He's not black. And we're, we're trying to say, no, he's like Vin Diesel. He's kind of everything. And they're like, you can't do that. That's dude. the future, though. It right? is. Like by 2050, we're all going to be beige. Probably. I think. And that'll be great because you're more resistant to the sun. Because right now I can't go outside in Texas. Sure can't. I go outside for like five minutes and it's like a goddamn vampire. Dude, it's 109 (laughs) degrees here. It's brutal. Are you married in real life, Remy? Yeah, I'm married. Got four kids, man. Congratulations. Um, Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, so yeah, live doing the whole family life. Well, I'm curious how, like, how. Not to dig too deep into your uh, old personal life, but how did you guys, how did you and your parents or you and your mom or whoever end up in the U.S.? Because it ultimately led you to go to the Navy and go to Bud's and become a Navy SEAL and shit. Yeah, so uh, my dad was super wealthy. I was When I was born, I was born into a wealthy family, and that was all because of his success. But, you know, unlike here in the West, Nigeria, here in America, Nigeria is is very very overtly corrupt, mm. and um, there are no rights laws really. Um, they say they are, but they're not really. So, long story short, my dad engineered one of the first man-made islands in the world, um, the first in, in in Nigeria. Man, that's unbelievable. Uh, I've heard about that in the past, and especially in uh, Dubai, I know there and the Nigerian state government came. Oh, we're good. We're having some tech yeah, we're, issues over here. You're, you're cutting in and out over there, Remy, but uh, we'll go back to the island here real quick. I, I knew that they were yeah. doing it in Dubai. So your dad actually was the first one to do it in Nigeria? Yeah, yeah. So it was called Lagoon City. Uh, and then uh, he, uh, uh, the Nigerian government came in and they confiscated it from him, renamed it Banana Island, and, and and now it's a residential island, but it was never meant to be that. And my dad died three weeks after that happened, um, mysteriously. He, uh, on the autopsy report, essentially they found that he was given bad medication, and that's what ultimately killed him. Um, and so when that happened, we went from very rich to extremely poor. And my mom being an, uh, an American, her and my dad actually met at the Metropolitan Museum of Natural History. She was just like, there's no way I'm raising my kids here in Africa. So that's that's when she brought us back to the States. Oh, wow. So your dad was, uh, I'm reading Wikipedia now. He was, uh, Adebayo was his name, right? That's correct. Yep. And he, yep. he went to um, University of London for his engineering mm-hmm. training. That's pretty interesting. This is yeah. this is a crazy story. I'm reading this story, like yeah. skimming through it right now. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it just speaks to the corruption in in not just in Nigeria, but in a lot of parts of Africa. Um, and uh, yeah, he 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 was educated. He he amassed a lot of wealth in the West. Um, in Nigeria, not in London, as well as in America. Uh, he was on the board of the World Trade Center in America, and his goal was to essentially create a World Trade Center in Nigeria. So that's what Lagoon City was supposed to be. It was essentially supposed to be a African Wall Street or African World Trade Center mm. um, that would help kind of organize uh, the country uh, on a business side because Nigeria is very 
rich in resources. You have cocoa, you have natural gas, you have oil, you have gold, you have a lot of minerals. Um, and China's actually going into Nigeria and signing these horrible deals to be able to mine and take all of these resources out. And so because of all of the resources that Nigeria had, that's what my, my dad wanted to kind of focus a, a, a little bit more. And that was the plan for Lagoon City. But um, there were corrupt politicians who had other plans for it. That's wild. And so why why sign up for the military then at that point? Um, well, fast forward, I came to the Bronx, got into, you know, not having a father in the inner city. I ended up, you know, I came to the Bronx in 87. Uh, I was five at the time. Fast forward to my teen years. You know, I fell into the same trap that a lot of young inner city um, black kids fall into, you know, um, selling drugs and, 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 and you you know, being influenced by the streets and street culture and all of that, and, you know, hating the police, hating, hating government. And then, you know, I ended up getting involved in a deal with a drug dealer that went bad. I sold some products that were supposed to last for a certain amount of time. Um, those products only lasted for a fraction of that time. And not only was my life threatened, but my mom's life was threatened as well. So that was a huge wake up call for me. And uh, a few months later is when I decided, hey, I need to get out of the Bronx. If I don't, I'm going to end up dead or in prison. And and the Navy was was really the only choice for me at that point. And uh, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but it was what I needed to do. And uh, I went to go join and uh, the recruiter ran my background, found out I had two warrants out for my arrest. I had a warrant in New York and a warrant in New Jersey. And uh, I got up, got ready to run out of the office and she stopped me and uh, essentially told me to come back the next day. And uh, I said, what? And she's for what? And she said, just come back. And um, I came back the next day. She was in her dress uniform and she took me to both judges, the judge in New York, judge in New Jersey and advocate on my behalf. And both judges expunged my record because this was about nine months after 9-11. And uh, then she went a step further, fudged the paperwork to sneak me into the Navy. And that's that's kind of how it all came together. Holy shit. I mean, what a crazy story. <laughs> uh, and then yeah. Navy SEALs, like, did you even know coming from where you came from that, you know, being a Navy SEAL was possible? Uh, nah, nah, I didn't think it was possible. Um, the, my first exposure to the SEAL teams was actually The Rock. Um, uh, which is a film back in the day with Michael Michael Bay directed and Nick Cage and all that. And that was my first exposure to Navy SEALs. And I remember saying to myself, if I ever turn my life around, I would do that. Um, and which is like a far fetched idea, you know, to say that to myself around 16. But fast forward to when I got into the Navy, I had no clue what I was going to be getting into. Uh, and, and that point was proven really quick because um, as soon as I got to boot camp, I wanted to try out for BUDS, but I was totally unqualified. I couldn't swim. <laughs> I didn't have the academic scores. I didn't have the high ASVAB scores necessary to get into BUDS and I was super skinny. So um, it was definitely, uh, I was definitely, out, it was definitely out of the realm of possibility for me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But when you pass and all that stuff, I mean, uh, you know, yeah. some people get to go on cool guy missions as they like to call it. Yeah. Others don't. Uh, where yeah. did you land in that world as far as uh, being a Navy SEAL? Yeah, so I, I, when I eventually got in, got through, I, I got to do a bunch of cool things, man. I was, uh, you know, did end up doing three deployments. Um, I was a human guy, so I lived the best of both worlds. Uh, working on the human intelligence side of things, that's kind of where Chameleon kind of came out of. Um, the idea started around that time. But um, so I went to the different tradecraft schools and learned source handling and 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 and, and working in, in semi-permissive and non-permissive environments, all of these other things as it relates 
database to intelligence collection. Um, and then I learned how to kick down doors. And then I went overseas and I did that. So I lived the best of both worlds, being able to go into these countries and run sources and build intelligence packages and be in meetings with three letter agencies and, and, and generals and other top tier people. And then, you know, build these intelligence packages that would then be utilized to go on direct action missions. So I got to do both. I, I had a great career. I really enjoyed it. Was there ever a point in which uh, you had to stake out somebody who you were going to kill and they were about to have sex underneath on like on the bed <laughs> that you were hiding underneath of and you're like, shit, I've got to <laughs> wait this out while this, you know, uh, prince, some Saudi prince bones this <clears throat> woman off of Instagram for like three hours and you're just like. I got I to gotta live underneath his bed and yeah. ride this out. Especially when they start seeing weird yeah. shit. Like uh, one of the servants comes in and opens the door and the Saudi prince says, yeah. hey, close the door. You're letting all the stink out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're letting all the stink out. Or can you please bring some more saran wrap? Uh, I've really got to urinate. And this is the, about the time in the sex. Like, was there any yeah. wild shit that you got involved in where you're just like, dude, what am I doing in this fucking closet? Uh uh, you know, I, 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 the example you mentioned, not that far, but not not that extreme. But I can't say that uh, um, there was a there was a guy at one point that we were going after and he um, had little girls. I mean, he was uh, essentially a pedophile and uh, and he was known for, uh, you know, he's a big high value target, but he had wives as young as 12, 13 um um uh 14 15 and we knew that he would have sex with these girls and pregnant these girls and uh uh and that was perfectly fine but he was a bad i mean for for that culture for who he was right um and so that and i would say that was my first real ex exposure to in my opinion human trafficking um but uh but yeah that was probably the most disgusting um person i had to build intelligence on and 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 kind of peer into his life to, to see and, and, and learn what he did. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, man. Because I, I want to hear like the cool one where it was like, man, the, the Navy SEALs forced me into having sex with these six to eight hot ass women over and over <laughs> again. I became their sex slave for months and months on end. I didn't know how I was going to cope after leaving this. But somehow I was able to to, to get through with it and, and leave a normal life, uh, li yeah. live one. That's what I want to yeah. hear eventually out of one of you guys. But it's never the cool shit. It's usually <laughs> Dan always talks about this story about uh, a guy yeah. who used to groom his donkey uh, every night and then fuck it mm -hmm. in front of everybody. Oh, yeah. You're talking about pedophiles and sound of freedom shit over here. Yeah. I want to yeah. get into like, oh my gosh, the royal penis, the penis is clean, sir. I want some shit like that, but we never get uh, any of that shit. Hey, maybe I might write something up like that in the screenplay and then we can make a movie and then say and, and then make like it actually happen. Yeah, because <laughs> that that would be rad. Like, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. Smith or something like that. Uh, Donald yeah, Glover's yeah. doing that on Amazon, though, right now. Wait, what's he yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Uh, with an Asian, yeah. so it's uh, him and this Asian broad. They just dropped like a, the trailer. The is other it like day. a series? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's based on uh, the the movie with Brad Pitt and yeah, Angelina that'll, Jolie. That should be good. Yeah. I mean, he's I, a good fucking actor. He's a so. good actor. He's a great actor. But uh, <laughs> speaking of which, uh, a buddy of ours has got the biggest series on Amazon Prime, Jack Carr. Now, your new yeah. book feels like what he's doing, where it's an actual guy who lived this life and is now applying it to fiction yeah. series 
Um, yeah. Hopefully you have the same type of success that Jack does. And I know yeah. he uh, did a little blurb for your book here. How did yeah. you guys come in contact? Was it via the series? Yeah, well, we, we, man, we connected shortly after he got out of the teams, you know, uh, he heard what I was doing in, in the film and TV industry. And as a writer, I heard what he was doing and we, we actually connected that way. And then, so I actually remember going to dinner with Antoine Fuqua and, uh, uh, a few other producers on terminal list, like the day, like the, a few days before they option, a few days after they optioned the rights to his book. And so, um, man, and that was like around 2017, you know, so, uh, yeah, it was 2017. So I was well aware of, uh, of this project, uh, for a while. And, uh, and then we just became friends and stayed connected. So, um, and, 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 and then eventually I got, I got thrown in as one of the actors on the show, but it was an awesome show. That's for sure. Awesome. Do you like acting or is it more of like, Hey, I'm the tech guy. And then they kind of throw you in scenes here. Cause you have a decent little IMDB here. Transformers yeah. the last night is on here for Christ's sakes. <laughs> yeah. Now nah, I, I like the I'm a, acting is my film school. You know, my my goal what I do now is I'm a writer director and 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 that's my passion and that's what I've been working toward all of these years. And so I have done the tech advising thing and that is what essentially led to roles and as an actor because you know like with terminalists they want they didn't want to hire actors who didn't know how to shoot and move with a gun uh and communicate. They wanted somebody with the experience so that that could shorten the shooting time, right? And so uh uh you know uh, so I got into the business on a tech advising stuff that led to the acting stuff but now I don't even want to say now, but for the last, I would say five years, it's been my film school, you know, and uh, that's what led to the unexpected and all of these other projects and the organ harvesting film that I'll be directing after the writer strike and um, and uh, and um, actor strike. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> to your points, like as an actor, if you get in front of the camera, it makes it a lot easier to get behind it because not only can yeah. you tell the actors what they're doing, but then you also know the cheat codes of angles, masters, yeah. close ups, mediums, all that stuff. And then yeah. when you flip around to the other side, uh, one, in directing, you know what you're doing in the edits, so you know what to ask for. Two, yeah. producer-wise, you realize how much you hate actors, and they're all just a pain <laughs> in the ass, and you're like, bro, get your shit together. Now, not on a military yeah. movie. Not on a military movie, because yeah. they're all afraid of fucking it up, so they're never going to say anything yeah. to you. Yeah. But uh, yeah. if you did Spider-Man or something like that, yeah, it would just be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, spot on. It's it's all about learning how to communicate to uh, to people. I tell I tell people all the time. All uh, all directing is is leadership. It's just like being in the military. It's just like you know, you you got to be able to communicate your vision, your 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 goals, your objectives to somebody, and in a way where they assimilate it and not have a nervous breakdown because of the way you're communicating it to them. So that's that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, now you got to worry about safe spaces and yeah. uh, diversity hires and all that stuff as far as yeah. uh, being nominated for an Oscar. I'm sure you've heard about the yeah. new rules where yeah, uh, yeah, yeah you've got to have LGBTQ plus people and yeah. everything else in there. So that's a whole set of problems for a director to deal with. Uh, but let's yeah. start with the one that's right in front of your face right now. There is two strikes going on. Uh, Writers yeah, Guild and Screen Actors Guild. Are you in both of those? Yeah, I'm in both the WGA and uh, SAG. Uh, do you support what's going on currently then? Yeah, I definitely support the strikes. You know, I've been 
especially as a veteran, you know, when you're a veteran in Hollywood, man, like so many people try to take advantage of you all the time. And it's always this, they don't, they, they say they respect your service and they respect what you've done and, and, and your value, but that's all, that's all just talk. You know, I've been in so many negotiations where it's just like, well, we don't care if you were in the military. We don't care if you have this background, like we're going to take it or leave it. You know what I mean? That's one of the reasons why I'm not on a show that I was on, you know, last season because of the way veterans were treated from a, um, from a, from a value standpoint. So um, that trickles down to uh, this, why we're striking now, because you get these producers in these studios that um, they're making billions of dollars and, uh, 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 and they have the ability to pay people not above and beyond. That's not what we're looking looking for but just the standard what's fair and uh and then also from a writing standpoint not put us in a position where you know ai technology is is, is taking our jobs from us because we do know that that's that that studios do want to utilize ai to uh to essentially develop a script and then have executives or people who are already on staff come in and polish that script and that essentially takes work from us i know i, I right before the writer strike i was in, in negotiations for my life rights book rights and to, for me to write adapt my book into a screenplay and when you look at the amount of money that i was going to be paid it was you know it was a lot of money um and if a studio what the studios are trying to do is avoid having to pay a writer like myself the amount of money that is that that's necessary to um to tell a story in a literary format um and uh have some type of technology do it so i, I i'm all for the strike um and uh and i'm hoping that things things come together and i hope i'm hoping that you know people will will be compensated uh, correctly, especially veterans, you know what I mean? Um, people who've done jobs outside of Hollywood and then have come in and 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 they're now doing a job and uh, in Hollywood and kind of bringing their skill sets and their experiences. We should be we should be compensated fairly. That's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, Hollywood against veterans has been going on for a long time. Um, yeah, they, they would rather put their money into like a dog charity or something like that. Uh, versus a mm-hmm. veteran charity, and uh, they're certainly not looking to hire any, uh, because yeah. God forbid you've ever held a gun in your hands out there. Um, yeah. uh, for real, I mean, they they, yeah. they they fucking hate it. There's a couple of yeah. people and a couple of production houses that do okay. You know, SEAL yeah. Team does a good job, obviously. Bring yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, half if you're, a, I, I think you've probably been on as a, an extra as well on there, but yeah. if, you're, yeah. if they have uh, like a new... A new team or somebody coming in, it's almost always active duty SEALs from down Coronado yeah. that come up and play those roles and stuff like that. But yeah, it's kind of fucked. And yeah. considering how crazy and interesting and I guess motivational your life story is, you don't want to get that wrong. I mean, Jesus Christ. No, 100%. Like, you want to do that thing the right way. Yeah, 100%. so let's let's start with who would play you. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm curious as to who you think it should be. How let's start with the age i guess how yeah, far back so. do you want to go because i would immediately toss out michael b jordan just because he's <laughs> one of my favorites and uh yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys are both pretty jacked and shredded so yeah. i think that would be a good fit obviously and he could green light a production really quickly 100 percent um uh you know the script's already written so uh, uh and i turned it into the studio before the writer strike but um i would say uh based off what i read there's the early years so uh, there's some child actors we'd have to find because i don't i can't think of one off the top but yeah man uh john uh, um 
what's the guy you just Michael B. Michael Jordan B. Jordan, great. Yeah. Um, John Boyega, you know, he would be. I mean, he's from Nigeria. Well, his parents are from mm -hmm. Nigeria, first generation Nigerians in the UK. So he would be great. Um, I like Jonathan Majors as well. Yo, he, love he, that he, fucking dude. Pick. Love yeah, Jonathan he's my Majors. Top pick, man. No. Yeah, he's a beast of an actor. And I think like he could what yeah, he's my top choice, to be honest with you. And then uh I think Donald Glover would be great too. He's a he's a choice that came to mind as well because he's a chameleon of <laughs> as it relates to acting. You know, he could be whatever character. He's definitely he's a good actor. I he I don't know that I've ever yeah. seen him bulk up for a role or anything though, but that Magic doesn't, Mike, yeah. that he doesn't mean do he it. can't. Yeah, he he would he yeah. he could he could yeah. do it for sure. He was pretty jacked in a few of his videos. He's pretty lean, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. I, I, just putting on masks like that. But yeah. you can cheat some of that stuff, obviously. So Jonathan Majors is one of my favorites and has been on the show for a while. And I said he would win yeah. multiple Oscars in his career. He kind of got derailed by this thing that happened in New York. Yeah. Uh, it turns yeah. out he was innocent um, yeah. and uh, the, was, is now able to file charges against the woman. Um, so it was the woman who had actually hit him uh, after they looked at the video footage. So hopefully yeah. he has a comeback. I know he's best friends yeah. with uh, Michael B. Jordan in real life. But that yeah. guy, if you could get him to be in your movie, yeah. that guy could turn yeah. your film into an Oscar-winning movie like that. He is one of 100%. the very best there is. 100%. And that's a, did a case, I know it's in court. Did it get did the case? Did yep. it Done. So it's all done. It's done. Yeah. Yep. So he was found out. He was found out not guilty. Then. Yeah, they dropped the charges, and they also said that he had the right to sue her. So that's off the table. And if this strike ends and everything else, and you want to go back to him, he's definitely free. And if you bring him a, a juicy project like this, yeah, dude, that could be what? the comeback right there. Well, you know, for the record, too, you know, uh, Jonathan never sees his interview. I was I was wanting him before all of that happened, and I was still pushing for him after it all happened. I still am, and I didn't even know that the case was done. So I'm not one of these guys who are just like, ah, oh, you were innocent, so now I'll, now I'll come after you. So I think he would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic actor, and, uh, and that would yeah. be no doubt a great story. Uh, back yeah. to what we were saying about Hollywood. I think guys like uh, like you, uh, Jack Carr, mm -hmm. uh, SEAL Team, like you mentioned earlier, I think that is changing. Even, even Taylor Sheridan of bringing yeah. this manliness back to you know? Hollywood because the yeah. ratings are so massive. You really yeah. can't look past it now. And I think you need to do more projects like that. Yeah. Um, so that gives me hope for your project in the future. Thank you. Do you mind me asking what studio it is? Uh, I can't for transform. I can't say just yet. They wanted to. They were going to try and announce it before the writer strike, but uh, in the press. But they decided to wait till after the writer strike ends because I'm part of the WGA. But once once uh, once it ends, it'll be all over the news. I'll, I'll make sure I send you guys uh, the the article right away on uh, Instagram on, de on deadline. Yeah, pop that over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. about that. Probably the best decision because uh, yeah, this is going to get buried for a while. I mean, look. You've obviously chatted with friends, I'm sure. You know this is going to go yeah. on for a while. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so. long time, man. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna. I, I, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I think it's gonna put Hollywood in a position. I think it's gonna put a lot of other opportunities in play. You know, outside of the traditional Hollywood system. So I, 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 I think it might be a good thing in the long run. And uh, and if it if it goes on longer than it needs to be, if it, I think if it goes past September, there's a chance that you know all of Hollywood can be completely dismantled. 
and 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 studios will start looking at alternative uh, alternative means to to get stuff made um and do stuff uh do it in a way that they feel is financially beneficial and uh actors will have to kind of do the same there was a news report that came out yesterday from mark ruffalo who played the hawk and he was talking about hey you know actors need to just stop working with studios and and do independent films um so who knows what's going to happen you know i know the film that i that, that we're supposed to be doing on organ i mean we started casting we already got budget it's a 35 million dollar budgeted action thriller it's a sequel to a short film that i did called the unexpected which is an organ harvesting short film on youtube now and it got picked up to be a feature and we we were casting and it's an independent film um and uh and that shut things down but if there's an opportunity for but i i, I just actually heard that that um sag is giving waivers to uh independent films so if that's the case you know that's gonna really put studios in a bad spot yeah because they are our buddy uh, max martini just got one he was here last week he just got a waiver yeah. for his uh, they're shooting in two weeks in New Orleans. So, yes, yeah. that will that will continue. Thirty five million is a big boy budget, though. Yeah, uh, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna show with picket signs and think this is a major studio movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah. It's about organ harvesting. You said. Yeah, so um, I got involved in in um, with the human trafficking space. I want to say twenty seventeen. I actually um, I actually went overseas with. Um, Tim Ballard and uh, OUR a number of years ago. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, around 2019 where I was like, man, this is this is a horrific thing that's going on. And uh, I need to figure out a way to uh, to get the word out there because it's not enough for me or other guys like myself to go into these other countries and rescue these kids who are being exploited and and uh, used for sex with a lot of you know, Americans because the places we were going were places where Americans would go and have sex with these kids who are being trafficked. And uh, I felt like, you know, I need to be able to, I need to do more. And um, I felt like film and TV would be the best way to do more. So uh, I, uh, I started out, I, I created this TV treatment called The Unexpected and my agent tried taking it around town. Nobody in, in, in Hollywood wanted it, no, <laughs> uh, which wasn't too surprising. <clears throat> and then um, uh, fast forward, I was just like, screw it. I'm gonna just put up my own money. I put up 150,000 of my own money and uh, flew out to Kansas City, got a private jet and all that the stuff that I needed and uh, we made the short film called the unexpected and uh, uh, and that's been the tool that I've I've been able to use to kind of educate more, more people as it relates because when people hear human trafficking they often often their minds just go to sex trafficking mm -hmm. and they don't realize that human trafficking is a blanket term there's so many other subsets to it there's organ harvesting there's there's blood trafficking there's labor there's drug smuggling I interviewed a guy a couple of years ago who uh, was uh, trafficked from Venezuela to Colombia and then Colombia to Mexico with the promise that he would be snuck into the United States. And as soon as he got there, he was he was abducted by these nefarious figures. Some of them were, I'm assuming they were cartel, but they were human trafficking, human traffickers for the most part. And they took him to this this house. And at this house, there were kids who were being used to, to move drugs into the U.S. So because they can fit through the tunnels that run from under from Mexico to the U.S. Uh, so they were used for drug trafficking. The women were used for sex trafficking and the men were used for labor and other means. Um, so uh, uh, in short, I, I, I got it to, to uh, the filmmaking side of things as it relates to human trafficking to get the word out there a lot more.
so with the success of Sound of Freedom, um, mm. I, I would imagine this has got to help your film because it's absolutely destroying at the box office right now. Yeah, and even yeah. in our theater, you know, right next to our studio here, they're running about five screenings a day, mm. which is a lot. Yeah. It's up to twenty eight hundred screens across America. Because it was initially a limited release, very limited, yeah. very very yeah. limited, and then it it is absolutely exploded now. This was something that you talked about on the show a couple weeks ago in regards to organ harvesting. This is one of those things uh, that the media, and in particular the left, is is trying to say that this is some QAnon conspiracy and that organ harvesting isn't going on. Um, explain to the audience, if you can, just in your mm-hmm. work, of what they're doing with the organ harvesting and at what age they're doing this to kids that are trafficked. Okay, so it's not just organ harvesting is not doesn't just focus on kids. Um, and um, for people who say, oh, this is just a QAnon uh, conspiracy, all you got to do is look at the look at look at the news reports, not just from around America, but from around the world globally. As a matter of fact, Cairo, Egypt is 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 is, uh, is has been deemed the organ harvesting capital of the world. Um, and uh, and there's so many stories that come out of Cairo, Egypt, of people who have fallen into poverty or or, or, or migrants from other parts of Africa or the Middle East that are trying to use Egypt as a bridge to get, in, to get into Israel or get into Jordan or get into other parts of Europe in order to, you know, in order to find a better life. And they they get to Egypt and they get stuck and then they end up falling into these organ harvesting rings. It was an organ harvesting ring that was bust, busted, I want to say around 2016 in Egypt. Yep. And of the 60 people that were uh, detained, 45 of them were doctors and nurses. It was a multi-million dollar organ harvesting ring. Um, um, same thing in, 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 in that happened couple years ago in Costa Rica. There was an Israeli doctor that uh, went to Costa Rica and he was essentially brokering or, or kidney deals um, um, with with between uh, poor people in Costa Rica and Israelis who needed a kidney. Um, uh, and his, his ring got busted up. So there's so many stories from all around the world. And these are not just kids. A lot of people think that, uh, oh, it's just it's just kids who are being organ harvested, but there's adults. There was actually a story that came out a couple, a few weeks ago of this, this American woman who um, found love on either TikTok or some dating app. She went down to Columbia to meet this guy. He was a med school student and he chopped her up, essentially took her organs and sold her uh, organs on the black market. That's how he got caught. And uh, parts of her body washed up on on, on a Colombian beach. Um, so this is not fake stuff. This is not Hollywood stuff. This is not stuff that people are just pulling out of their ass. Um, um, this is a uh, organ harvesting is a billion dollar industry. And to put things into perspective a bit more, every year something like four to five thousand people die every year on a kidney waiting list, right? And so um, uh, uh, it's a it's a it's a business that's run by desperation, and uh, uh, and it's a business that's run primarily on through social media apps um, because a lot of these these. Uh, um, these organizers of these rings, they, that's the best way they can find find clients, and that's the best way they can find people and and, and trap them. So um, it is it's real. If, if there's anything I can say, it's real. yeah, it's but very real. I mean, it's just yeah, it happens Sorry. quite a bit in India as well. So if you see India, yep, if you see yep. some kind of advertisement on the internet, like oh, American medicine is too expensive. If you need dental work or organ transplants, come to India. It's yeah. way cheaper. No, they're they're yep. gonna steal your shit. 
And when yeah, I say your I, shit, I've heard I mean the shit inside too, of your body, like yeah. your organs and, and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that note, there, there are Westerners who travel to India. There was a story that oh, yeah. came out of India. And again, this is an international story of a, uh, a woman um, who was in a low caste system. And she got an email one day saying, hey, I have a job opportunity for you in New Delhi. Um, she was excited because she was the job opportunity was essentially her mopping floors. And uh, she jumped on a bus, went up to New Delhi. Um, um, the, uh, the 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 employer, uh, I say that in air quotes, uh, said in order for you to start work tomorrow, you have to get a medical exam. Um, she went and got the medical exam. What saved her life was when she after she got undressed and she was laying on the table, she overheard the nurse say to the doctor, "This is the one that's supposed to be giving us these organs." And then she she jumped up knowing that organ harvesting is a big deal, big issue in India. She knew what was going on. She alerted the authorities and the authorities were able to break up the ring. It was another multi-million dollar organ harvesting ring. And some of the clients weren't just they weren't just Indian clients. They were Western clients. There's another story that came out of London a couple actually a couple of weeks ago, these Nigerians that that brought these uh, brought this guy up from uh, Nigeria to London. And essentially they were going to organ harvest it. They were going to harvest his organs and, and, and sell them. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's it's real and it's wild. Yeah, it's it is true that people mostly associate it with sex work of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it isn't yeah. just that. I mean, last week we got the story um from Alabama, 50 underage migrant children. We talked about it on mm-hmm. Monday. Um, yep. we're, we're, you know, there's 85,000 unaccounted for migrant yep. children in the U.S. right yep. now today, as of today. 85,000 yep. mm-hmm. that we just don't know where they are. And we know where yeah. some of them are, right? 500 were found at various factories uh, around the southern U.S. that make products for like Cheetos and shit, mm-hmm. and then fifty, like fifty in one location at uh, Hyundai mm-hmm. in Alabama, like their their factory in there. Twelve, fourteen yeah. year olds just working on the factory line and shit. It's like one of those um, <clears throat> one of those old tropes about a coal mining town where you see the the twelve year old and he's already got black lung and dust all over his face. Like this yeah. shit is real and it takes a lot of different forms. And yeah. you know, there's bad people out there. And uh, it, it, I think it's a good idea for society to kill bad people. That's kind of yeah. why people like us exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it, and, and it is very telling that a large swath of the American population, particularly those in power or those in media, have chosen not just to ignore the problem, but to say that it's a fucking conspiracy theory. That's yeah. very bizarre, yeah. right? Remy, real quick, we got some sponsors to put this show on the air. First and foremost, GhostBed.com forward slash drinking bros. Half off the bundle package, 50% off the good old U.S. of A GhostBed. That's the adjustable base and the mattress combined together. The Split King is the most popular version of that. It comes with two remote controls instead of one. But all the goddamn fun. It goes up, see, down, see, all around, see, when you press the buttons. Uh, book mode, TV mode. Uh, the feet will go up. The head will go up. Uh, and then part of the body will as well. It also vibrates from head to toe. And that's a nice thing. It's got USB ports, flashlights, all the bells and whistles. That is their most popular uh, version of, of anything they have on the whole goddamn site. I wonder why, Ghostbed, because it's 50% off. The mattress is amazing, and that's great. If you just need a new mattress and you're saying, Ross, I've already got an adjustable base, that's fine. You're getting 40% off of the promo code Bros at checkout there. 
Plus, every mattress is coming with two free luxury pillows right now. The pillows are just as great as the mattress itself. Huge fan. They're also making mattresses for RVs right now, which are amazing. I don't know why. You have to you buy an RV for 90 grand and then uh, they give you the shittiest mattress on the planet. I can't figure it out. Ghostbed is here to save the day. They've also got sheets, covers, uh, weighted blankets, everything you need uh, for a good night's sleep. Head on over to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today. And at checkout, you're going to see a three-year pay-as-you-go program at no interest as long as you have decent credit over there. And all the deals that I mentioned are applicable with that. And they're forced to give it to you stretched out over three years to take advantage of it. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today and take advantage of these deals. Next up, we got mybookie.com. Promo code drinking bros doubles your first deposit all the way up to $1,000. The British Open is upon us. Last major of the year. Delco and I host a golf show on uh, Drinking Bros Sports. Subscribe if you haven't already. And we're about to make our picks, kids. Uh, the picks are coming in. The beauty of betting on golf is it's like a little tiny lottery ticket. Usually the odds are uh, 20 or twenty to 1 or higher. Some of the favorites are under that. But the favorites don't win all that often. So head on over there. Check out our picks I think I got four wins on the year this year and three second place finishes over there. Been a pretty decent year. And I also picked the British Open winner last year. I'm hoping to repeat uh, the same choice this year as well. So pop on over there. It's fun to throw some money on uh, something in the background to make it a little more interesting. We're in the dog days of summer right now. College football's. Uh, 38 days out. They've also got props for uh, over-unders and wins for your favorite teams. They've also got all the spreads for week one up. Uh, Not only in college, but the NFL as well. And of course, you can pick the national champions, Super Bowl winners, Heisman winners, and MVP winners already for next year on mybookie.com. Get those odds now while they're juicy. Next up, we get hardafseltzer.com. We are now live in Alabama. And the state of Georgia. Let's go, dude. Tennessee, Florida. We're already off the board. Now we can bring in Alabama and Georgia. D'Anthony. We have a, there's a number of stores we can tell you about as well. Huge number of stores. So in Alabama, in Tus- just in Tuscaloosa, there's uh, Star Mart 12, which is on campus. Yep. Which is nice. Cause right there, dude. That's, that's kind of where we belong. Um, and then there's... Corks and Tops in Tuscaloosa, Jet Pep Express, uh, M and D Grocery, yep. and uh, that's that's it for Tuscaloosa. There's we we have places in Jasper, Birmingham, uh, Auburn, Trustville, North Point, a couple other cities. As yeah, well. Jasper. So we're down at the Jasper Package Store down there. Uh, we're at the the Chalkville Shell Station there in Birmingham. Highway Eleven Food Mart in Birmingham. We're at the Moody Kanoko down there in Moody. Uh, maybe it's Onita. I don't know how to pronounce it. It might be Onita down it, there. The Onita Quick Stop. Yeah, I don't know. In Birmingham down there. Uh, no, that's in Onita as well. Um, uh, Tiger Spirits Liquor. We made it to Auburn, kids. We made it to Auburn. We're not only on University of Alabama. Roll Tide. 
But we're also down there with the Tigers as well. I think that one might actually be on campus as well. It is. On Auburn's campus. It sure is. is. Uh, that is right there on campus. Tiger Spirits. Tiger Spirits Liquor. Let's go. Trustville Raceway uh, in Gadsden. Uh, on Gadsden Highway in Trustville. Watermelon Shell in North Points. Georgia. We're starting off with the M&M package there in uh, Hiram, Georgia. Haram. I don't even know where that's it. I Really? Hiram, yeah. It's in Atlanta. I haven't been there. Yeah. Haven't been there. One-stop package in Savannah. Beverage Superstore in Atlanta. Max Beverage, Inc. in Atlanta. Liquor World in Savannah. Doravel Liquor Store in Atlanta. Uh, Jessup Smoke and Tobacco Outlets in Savannah. Strong Water in Atlanta. Turtle Creek Wine and Spirits in Atlanta. And Walker Chancellor Enterprises, Inc., down there in Savannah as well. Those are just the first stores that are announced. Many more are coming soon, including Total Wines, uh, which is in uh, every store in Tennessee and Florida as well. If you're at the ballpark this summer, head on out to the Rays game down there in Tampa. Uh, if you like soccer, the Tampa Bay Rowdies are also uh, having a great year as well as the Miami Marlins. We are in all three of those stadiums down in Florida as well. Support us. Support the show. Go out and buy some hard AF seltzer today. Yeah, what's yeah. your what's your theory on that? Because you never hear about this in the media. Uh, yeah, and to yeah, be yeah. honest with you, because we've we've chatted about this in the past. If it weren't for being friends with with Dan and and Tim Kennedy and guys like that, yeah. I didn't know this existed. Like I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm one yeah. of those people who did not know yeah. this existed. Yeah, I didn't know it existed either until uh, I got out and I had people uh, reaching out to me and saying, "Hey, can you volunteer to work with this non this human trafficking nonprofit?" And I was like, "What the what, the, what is human trafficking? I don't even know what that term means." Um, what year was I that? Think this was 2016. Okay, so, so the, yeah, the first time I heard about it was yeah. uh, 2017. Um, yeah. That was the very first time I'd ever heard about it, and they were like, yeah. I, "Tim, it was Kennedy. Tim yeah. Kennedy was just like, what? Yeah. What do you mean you never heard of this?'" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of this." There's 45 whatsoever. million people yeah. on Earth enslaved right now. That's an estimate. Yeah. 45 million. Yeah, yeah. 135 billion dollar industry, mm-hmm. 35 billion dollar industry in the U.S. alone. And by the way, the U.S. is one of the most we, – we are, when it comes to human trafficking, when it comes yeah. to uh, child rape and child pornography, yeah, uh, being uh, uh, like Americans going to places to consume that product uh, is the highest. We drive the right? demand. We, we, yeah, we drive, drive the demand for it. Why won't the media talk about this then, Remy? I, I don't get it. I think I think the media has politicized it so much, um, I think, because Trump talked about it. Um, and a lot, and I think, well, let me back up for a second. I think that because a lot of it came to begin to come to the forefront, 2016, 27, 2017, 2018, 2019, around that time frame, and Trump was in office, I think that people hated him so much that it was just one of those things that anything that he speaks about or anything that he brings up is like, we have, we must oppose you know, we must, you know, we must uh, oppose or we must uh, um, uh, tarnish in some way. And I think that that's 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 essentially what what happened. And uh, and and so now when people do talk about it or like when Sound of Freedom comes out or, you know, whatever other project comes out about it, it's, it's been deemed an automatic label. Oh, that's just conspiracy theory. You know, so I, that's my personal beliefs. I, that's why I think that it's been so politicized. I think that it's a tool that, you know, 
politicians are using in order to um, keep people divided. Essentially, essentially keep people divided and, and keeping one side against the other side. So when somebody brings up, I was like, oh, well, that person must be a part of that side. And that side is the crazy side. And that side believes all these conspiracies. So stay away from that person. That's my personal belief. Well, the weird thing to me is uh, human trafficking, uh, child trafficking, sex trafficking, all of it should be a, a nonpartisan issue. So trying to pin it on a, a side, Republican or Democrat, seems crazy to me when it, it should be a nonpartisan issue across the board, and this should be yeah. something that we're all concerned about. Well, I think instead of nonpartisan, it's bipartisan, which means instead of people putting aside their political affiliation to stop it, it's bipartisan in that a lot of people uh, have, I don't know, let's say friends or, or financial interests in people that, that conduct themselves in that way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like there, there's no, there's no fucking. <clears throat> definitely, the the Trump derangement stuff is real, but this this has been going on for a very long time. This this human trafficking bullshit's been going on for a really long time, um, and it has been. I mean, just think about the biggest version of it that's played out on the national stage, which is Jeffrey Epstein, right? Yeah, Not one yeah. motherfucker has gone to jail. We, we, yeah. have, we have a supplier, and we have no fucking users, mm-hmm. not one. You know what I mean? And it's because it's not nonpartisan. It's bipartisan. They are protecting these people. That's the only thing. On both sides. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. That, that Epstein client mm-hmm. list is at the FBI headquarters right now, mm-hmm. and they are yeah. refusing to release it. Yep. Uh, yeah. which, which is absolutely wild to me. Um, but uh, being a father of four, like you said at the yeah, top man. of the show, how heartbreaking is it to walk in and find these kids and see what's going on? I mean, how do you go home after doing missions like this and then go back to your wife and, and, and children after that and say, you know, well, where was dad at? Is there an explanation of what uh, you're no, doing? It's just or? It's simple for me. It means it was just like going overseas as a, as a SEAL. You know, you go over, you do the job, and then you come back and, and you know, you you live like a normal as 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 much as you can you live like a normal human being it's, it's just compartmentalizing um in fact it was my wife that was that really pushed me to um i showed her a video when i got contacted by the first the first couple of human trafficking nonprofits can't remember when in the time frame but one of them sent me a video of you know of of what they do and it was actual like real footage of rescues and other stuff and i showed it to my wife my wife was just like she's a doctor my wife's a doctor and she works in at the time she was working in community medicine like and we live in san diego which is san diego is a a border city you know (laughs) tijuana mexico is like right down the street from where i live you know and so um my wife working in community medicine she saw a lot of horrific things you know uh stories of kids coming in that were abused and her she's having to call the police because a kid may be being trafficked and so i i say all that to say um when i showed her this video and said hey these people want me to come partner with them and work with them on something she was like you go do it you know like i support you 100 percent um and so for me it's it's it, a big part of it what helps me um is is having a wife that's supportive uh, that understands that world as well. And that, um, uh, and then being able to compartmentalize, which, I mean, that comes from my time in, in the military, having to, you know, know when to turn it off and not just in the military, special operations, because, you know, 
when you're operating at that level, you have to know when to turn it off or when to turn it on, you know, you can't be a savage, you know, a hundred percent of the time. And so, um, I just take that into what I do, but I will, I do recall, you know, when I went down to DR, man, um, uh, in 2018, uh, with, with OUR, we were in this particular slum and in this particular slum, the parents would sell their daughters to traffickers. Uh, and the traffickers would take their daughters to the northern part of DR and Westerners would come have sex with them. And I remember being in this particular slum. And that's that was the one time where I was just appalled. You know, that was where I was just like, I, it was just hard for me to wrap my head around it. And uh, uh, I remember our guide pulled me aside because he saw that it was hard for me to have conversations with these with these family members. And uh, he walked me into a chapel that was no bigger than the size of two toilet stalls. And at the end of the chapel were uh, was a, uh, a dead six month old baby. And he explained to me that the baby died because the mother wasn't getting enough food. So her her breast milk dried up. And uh, and so she mixed the formula with the local water. And that's what ended up killing the baby. And here I am staring at this dead baby in this casket and uh uh he then pulled me out of the chapel he said I i'm not showing you this for you to empathize fully or justify in your mind why the parents are doing this i'm showing you this so that you can have more understanding so that you could do your job a bit better right and so uh that that was that that, that was the one time that I struggled the most, you know, um, because how can me as a father, no matter how, what my situation looked like. And another thing he tried to explain to me was, you know, that, that this is the plight. Either they sell their daughter or all their kids die. That's their thinking, you know, and that's how they've been brainwashed by these traffickers, you know. And 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 so um, that was the one time I, that it was hard for me to keep it together. And interestingly, as soon as I landed back in back in the States, I landed in Miami. I had a, a number of missed phone calls from uh, Michael Bay's producing partner, Mike Case. And he asked me to come consult on Six Underground for Netflix. And it was during that after that call that the two worlds collided where I was like, wow, I work in the film and TV industry. I was just down in this in DR dealing with this horrific, these horrific acts. You know, how about I merge these two worlds and 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 tell talk about human trafficking, specifically organ harvesting on a bigger scale so I can have a bigger impact because it's a global issue which requires a global response. Yeah, it sure does. And and when you're you're doing stuff that's this heavy on a day to day basis yeah. or kind of popping out for certain trips here and there, uh, it's got to be refreshing to come back to the United States and then just hop on a world's biggest TV show, which is special forces, the world's toughest test with, uh, with our buddy Rudy Reyes on that show. Like what a yeah, yeah. weird fucking life you lead. Like how wild is that? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. Sometimes I wake up and I'm just like, how the heck did all of this? Happen? <laughs> I mean, it's nuts because yeah, yeah. Rudy's a homie of ours. Yeah. He was on the show. Uh, yeah. we were chatting about that right after it came out. And like, I looked at the ratings yeah, yeah. and I, I called him and I was like, holy shit, this TV show is massive. You're going to end up doing yeah, like yeah, 10 yeah. seasons of this thing. Um, have you yeah. guys started shooting the second season and all that stuff? Yeah, they already did. I, I'm not part of it anymore. Um, uh, I'm not doing see any more seasons of the show. Uh, but yeah, they 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 finished. They, I want to say they finished like a week ago shooting season two. 
Now, was that on, on uh, like your choice or because you're so busy with film projects and everything else? Or did you just want to not want to fly around the world and be away from your, your family for no, you know, it was, it months was, and months you know, and months? Kinda what I, yeah, it was kind of what I touched on earlier, man. It was, you know, uh, the way veterans get treated. And, you know, that that's kind of where I, I, I kind of leave it. It was, you know, just, you know, it, 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 that was the issue. And, and you know, I was put in a position where I signed a one-year contract because, you know, the first season they weren't really taking care of us, in my opinion, the way they were supposed to. And uh, the other guys signed longer-term contracts. So when they said they would make it right the next season and didn't, I was just like, Pop smoke, you know. Um, so um, I got another TV show that's um, going to be going into production next month, and it's 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 a military show, and it's 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 going to be epic as well. So um, I'm not doing a show anymore. But Rudy is, and all those guys are great guys. Rudy, Billy, Foxy, amazing dudes. Love those dudes. We still text and and talk on a regular basis, and uh, love those guys, man. Yeah, but I told Rudy this when he was on the show. It was like you and and him in particular, to me at least were the standout yeah. stars of that show. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't yeah. back up the truck and get you back for it because you were the guy, you and Rudy, to me, were the most yeah. interesting and magnetic in that show that I was like, oh, yeah. well, shit, it's definitely going to go on with these two. I don't know about everybody else, yeah. but uh, yeah. uh, you were great in that, and uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I'm sorry to hear that you Thank had you. a negative experience there on the back end, but like yeah, you yeah. said, it's Hollywood, and it's not that shocking. So not shocking at all. <laughs> not no. shocking at all. That, and that's why initially I was like, hey, I'll just do one. If you say you're going to make things right on season two, then I'll do one year. And we'll see if you keep your word, knowing that, you know, most people in Hollywood, especially at that level, don't keep their word. So um, and especially yeah. <laughs> at Fox, we uh, yeah. best friend of mine had some problems there over at Lethal Weapon a few years back. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, not the best. And uh, yeah. and I understand it. Um, but yeah, it, it was certainly fascinating to watch and then hearing all your stories tied back together. It's like, yeah. man, what hasn't this guy done in his life? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, from now you're doing, you're writing fiction, which is yeah. really, really difficult as a writer to switch from nonfiction to fiction. Uh, yeah. what was the most challenging part for you during writing this book, Chameleon? You know, in all honesty, it was a lot. Of, it wasn't challenging at all because, you know, I'm a screenwriter. Right. So at Chameleon actually started out as a, a screenplay. It got optioned by a major producer in Hollywood. And I went through a year rewrites on the screenplay. And then a buddy of mine read the script, who's a former CIA guy turned author named Taylor Moore. Uh, he's actually in Austin, not too far from where you guys are. And uh, he read the script and was like, dude, you should do this as a book series. And that was kind of how it all came together. And when you're writing a screenplay, you only have 120 pages. Yep. And you don't have that much space. But and so after writing the Chameleon screenplay and writing a bunch of other screenplays over the course of the uh, course of the years, I even um, Slave Stealers, Tim Ballard's book, he hired me to adapt that book into a limited series. So when you write under tight constraints and then you get the opportunity to do a book you know it's like the world opens up more you have all of this space you have all of this latitude to to have long dialogue and to and to and to give better description and longer description than when you're writing so it was actually a fun write it was it was like uh it was like man i was like a pig in slot man <laughs> yeah because well there's no budget you don't have to worry about yeah. expenses and all that stuff so now it makes more yeah. sense if you had done it yeah. as a screenplay, plus the rewrites you go through, probably by yeah. the end of it, if you tallied up the pages, was probably the length of a book. 
Um, yeah. Because a book for most people, especially fiction, is such yeah. an uphill climb that uh, yeah. whoever just finishes a book, let alone gets it out into the world, God yeah. bless, because it takes so much of your time. And yeah. uh, now that you've said that, that, that it was a screenplay before, then you were like, oh, yeah. well, shit. Now I can throw yeah. budget out the window, and I don't have to worry exactly. about it. I can blow up shit on every single page if I want. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I can, instead of writing 120 pages, I can write freaking 340 pages. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, now this is making more yeah. sense to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Audiobook-wise, did you do your own yeah. audiobook in this one? I did my own audio. I wasn't going to. Attaboy. Uh, but, yeah, I had a lot of people who listened to the audiobook on uh, my Transform audiobook, and, and they were reaching out to me, asking me if I was doing the audio for Chameleon. And at first I wasn't, and the publisher hired an actor. Uh, and uh, and then finally a bunch of people said to me, if you're not going to do the audio book read, I'm not going to pre-order your book. So I was like, all right. So I went ahead and did it. It was and it was fun. It was a kick in the nuts, man. It's it's because you got to, you know, with my with my book transform, you know, there's a lot less characters in the fiction book. But then also, like, I know the voice of those characters because they're people who I lived with and moved with and and had and did life with. Whereas I created these characters, so I have to create different voices for all of these different people. And I got to do African accents, and then I got to do South African accents, and then I got to do British accents. And so it was it was tough, but uh, I think it's going to be a good a uh, good listen, especially now with the writer strike and actor strike. There's not going to be a lot of content out there, at least in, you know media related content. So this will this will fill the void. Nice the audiobook for sure. For sure. And uh, having been a veteran of, of books as well, I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with this, but when you, when you look up your book on Amazon, they're leading now with audiobooks. Uh, Amazon yeah. obviously owns Audible now and, yeah. uh, and most of the other formats, including heading out to iTunes and all the other stuff. Um, yeah. I think I was talking to Jack Carr about this. Audio sales versus hard books and all that other stuff is, is about 60-40, if not 70-30 yeah. now for audiobooks. So, yes, yeah. I think it is very yeah. important. You do have such yeah. a distinct voice. People know you from the TV show and everything else. I think it is very important uh, that yeah. you read this book. Uh, but that will also lead me into the AI and writers situation. I'm yeah. sure if you had your druthers, you would have gotten some other actors to read some of your other parts in Chameleon. If you uh, could have. In the Chameleon. In the chameleon book? Yes, in the audio book, if you could have, right? Uh, well, no, nah, because that's not the way it works with the audio book. You have to have one reader through, through and through. Mm. Well, they tell you that. However, yeah. you can do whatever you want. I, I actually had D'Anthony in my last one. Yeah, we did. Uh, well, even the, the first one, mm -hmm. you had a bunch of actors. Ta yeah, I, oh, I, had a you? I sure did. Yeah, it was one of the, the, oh. the very first ones to do it because I thought it would just be more interesting to listen to. And since yeah, we were already yeah. big in the podcast world and all that other stuff, one connected to the other. And I was like, man, I, I think, you know, as an actor, it would be great. So I actually fought for that tooth and nail to like the last to the ends of the earth with Simon and Schuster. And now here's where I bring yeah. this up is this fight that is going on with the Writers Guild uh, mm -hmm. and, the, and the Screen Actors Guild. A lot of it is over AI. Um, yeah. I was at a child's function over the weekend and mm -hmm. uh one of the people in my neighborhood is actually working with a site that is doing AI voices of celebrities. And yeah. uh, she had mentioned to me at the, the get together, she was like, hey, any thought of doing this in your next audiobook?" And I was like, does that exist already? And she said, yeah. yeah. And I go, she goes, That's, it's, it's, it's my company. And I said, yeah. well, who's on there? Uh, is there any big celebrities that I know? Because I, I just had never heard of it and I didn't think it was possible yeah. yet, but I am 
a dummy when it comes to technology and like the, the future of technology and all that stuff. And she goes, yeah, yeah. she goes, uh, Snoop Dogg, Gwyneth Paltrow. And I, I mean, she started naming, you know, four or five other people. And I was like, what? I didn't know this existed. So you can now wow. pay a licensing fee. And I, I went to the site and used it. I think it was called Speechify. Uh, okay. I went to the site and used it. Uh, they're not a sponsor or anything, by the way, but um, uh, I went to the site and used it. And I typed in a sentence for Snoop Dogg to say, and uh, if you put the commas where they should be as a writer, so let's say you want a beat yeah. or a pause or something like that, um, it's really goddamn good. What was the sentence? Uh, <laughs> 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 You're not putting me on the spot for this one. <laughs> it was something fucked up for sure. It was something yeah. super fucked up, but now he's going to judge me. You're, Remy's going to judge me on the show. <laughs> you know, one of the best things I've ever seen in my life uh, well, there's two things. One was Kevin Hart and Snoop doing the uh, the Olympics or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's that that should happen every Olympics. Right? Oh yes, yes, yes. And I then agree. Snoop yeah. also did this other thing where he was narrating uh, National Geographic stuff. Uh-huh. And it's just so stupid. It's 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 it's, it's, it's the it's, best. Yeah. Which will lead me to the sentence that I put <laughs> in. And uh, please don't use this against me, Remy. Okay. <laughs> I won't. I, I wanted won't. to know if you could. So I wrote a clean sentence like all the way through, right? Which is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go out to the car and uh, and grab something out of the hat in the vehicle for me. And I was very deliberate and white with the wording of it, right? Yeah. yeah. Then I went hood with it on the second one because I wanted <laughs> to see how quick the AI was. And if it could adapt. So the second sentence I put in was, uh, uh, grab the heat in the hat and let's get down to business. And like that was in there. But I spelled out business, B-I-D-N-E-S-S, in this AI format. It's important to be phonetic in in AI. It is. And that's what what they had told me. We've been doing that with text-to-speech stuff for years. Totally. You have to to misspell stuff on purpose. But they had told me that, uh, the person that worked for the app company, that you need to be very specific with the AI the more specific you are with it, even if the words aren't like business, B-I-D-D-N-E-S, yeah. isn't a word, but it will read it as that. And that's the effect that you're looking for if you're trying to get Snoop Dogg or different characters or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and sure enough, it worked. And my mind was blown. Now, the Gwyneth Paltrow one did no good for me because she sounds Got like it. a fucking robot anyway. So yeah. that was a hard one where I, I listened to it and I was like, meh. But... You start going down the rabbit hole of uh, you know who you want to get and everything else, and then obvi- obviously everybody's first answer was Morgan Freeman. Yeah, if yeah, he licenses his voice one. or James Earl Jones licenses their voice, um, yeah. then that's a whole nother world. And I don't yeah, know yeah. how the studios are going to differentiate who gets what and why, and what actor gets paid more and everything else. Yeah, but that thing where actors were having their face scanned. In selling their eternal life rights mm-hmm. to their image, that was already a thing before this, right? It, it, it so was a, it was a already, thing for video games. Yeah, for video games. But there's always some. There's already something of a business model for that. Like, it seems, it seems unlikely that they couldn't build off of that and figure out a way to make this all work and make sure everybody's compensated correctly. I think this. I, it seems like your theory is the studios forced to strike. I agree because I think this they could have figured this out. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. The, the yeah. other part of this too is uh, with the AI in particular for actors, you can solve that very easily with a background thing by just offering residuals. Mm. So if great, you want to scan yeah. my body, you want to use it in movies and everything else. Uh, simple way to track it: just pay me residuals off those movies. 
I'm yeah. sure that is a deal that's uh, 99% of background actors would love to take. Obviously, you're going to get the 1% who think they're the next Bradley Cooper and that, you know, being an extra is their yeah. stepping stone into A Star is Born with Lady Gaga or something like that. That's easily solvable. The one thing that isn't, though, is is AI with writing and AI with voiceover like this yeah. because the top people are still going to get the top money and mm-hmm. it's also yeah. going to eliminate voice actors. So when Dan, yeah. when Dan did my last book, um, I, there was maybe 10 to 12 actors that were in there. And, uh, and we paid them and everything else. Like, obviously, Dan's a homie, and I don't have to do that. But the other <laughs> actors we did now, yeah. if I didn't have to pay that, and it was just a licensing fee, because that site was pretty goddamn cheap, and I yeah. get Snoop Dogg to play the villain in my new book or the voice of Snoop Dogg, I kind of want to do it. Um, you know, other guys that come to mind, like Denzel Washington. Love to have Denzel in a book as one of the leads yeah. in an audio book. And, I mean... If you're a great writer and you're able to put great actors together through AI, the books would be better. All of your content would be better. That's why this is so tricky, and that's why I don't think this is going to end for a while because who gets paid what and who deserves more money? Um, A lot of years ago, Tom Cruise, a lot of people don't know this, was the first one to sign off on his AI rights. Mm -hmm. The very, very first one, maybe four years ago, five years ago-ish, he knew what the future was. And uh, had signed some deal. Terms were undisclosed. I don't know how much money it's worth, but he knew it was coming, and uh, and he's he's somebody ponied up the money for it. So how do Got you do it. it going forward? And that's why this is going to get drug out for so long. Um, yeah, is because in your book, if you could put Denzel Washington as a voice in Chameleon, yeah, wouldn't yeah, yeah. you want to do it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would. I would uh, as long as he signed off on the rights to do it and uh, it made sense financially because at the end of the day I have to as a as a as a business person I have to ask myself okay, how much is it going to cost to use that his his voice that AI technology and how is that going to equate to book sales? And if it's not going to add up and it's going to cost me money or it's going to cost me less money than I can actually make, even if I'm going to still make good money, then why give that up? You know, so I think it's a it's a give or take. But as far as the AI piece to it, um, yeah, the residual piece is, a, is, is, is really tough because the issue is with the streamers, they're not letting us know what the streams are. So even if the AI, if somebody got their body scan, right, and they did a movie with Netflix, how much are they going to end up getting residual wise when if, if residuals are based on how many people are viewing or watching a project then and the streamers are not and that's classified they're not letting anybody know yep. how many streams they're getting for where's the money going to like how is that person going to be paid fairly and i think that that's another that's part point. of the issue on the residual side of thing and and now bringing the ai side of things you're gonna have a lot of these these streamers that are taking advantage of people they're gonna say oh here's a check to a freaking uh hundred thousand dollars because only a hundred again i'm just throwing out a random number for example because only a hundred thousand people watch the show uh whereas maybe 500 million people watch the show you know and they should be getting you know somewhere closer to 500 million dollars i think that at the end of the day if the streamers could be more transparent that will that will fix a lot of the issues as it relates to AI and residuals, but they're just not. They're not. And, and they never yeah. want to give up those numbers. They don't even have Nielsen yeah. ratings for them. Uh, yeah. Netflix, for example, uh, the only time uh, that they've actually had ratings go out to the public is if they were leaked. 
Um, yep. I think uh, Orange is the New Black was the first TV show that was actually leaked uh, to the press, and it was $4.1 yep. million per show, which isn't a lot, to be honest with you, but it yeah. was their biggest series at the time. And then they voluntarily released numbers on Bird Box because uh, it was a massive yeah. movie, and then Stranger Things. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I believe Wednesday was the last one, and they went by hours streamed, but not how many downloads and everything else. So then you've got to get everybody to participate in that yeah. as that, well. That's yeah. also the difference. So hours versus um, that that's the difference between impressions and unique impressions. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like some like I, I don't know how many hours of The Office I've watched, for example. Just having oh, it on God. when I go to sleep at night, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they're they're gonna fuck around with that number as much as they can. But it, what this is really about is the studios have lost all power. They don't have any power anymore, except yeah, for the yeah. fact that you can't. You still have to go to the, to do big money stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But the streaming services technically have all the power, but they seem to be more or less incompetent in a lot of ways. Yeah. There there have been more and more hits, but they haven't been able to string together like a successful business model, like what TV used to be. Yeah, yeah. Ten pilots come in, two or three of them are probably going to be good. The other seven are going to get canceled yep. four weeks in. Yes. And that's the deal. We Everybody yep. knows it, and you're still going to make your money. You're going to get your residuals and all that stuff. For the streaming services, it's like the, the big hits are blips. It's like a blip here yeah. and a blip there, but it isn't a business yeah. plan. You know what I mean? Like for, yeah. every, for every the terminal list, there's stuff that's just like, what the fuck were you thinking? Greenlighting exactly, this project, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's the toughest part of it, where this yeah. human trafficking movie and, and or the organ harvesting that you're talking about right now, I want to yeah. see this fucking movie. Uh, but instead, yeah, yeah. they're going to jam 30 Marvel movies down my face and multiverses yeah. and all that other bullshit. But like, this yeah. is a movie I want to see. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you're able to to get this made and everything else. And then hopefully your life story gets told as well. Uh, yeah. And then Chameleon, yeah. shit, dude. I, how many how many can this go? Uh, books wise, yeah. I mean, this is well. This is one of three books right now. So uh, um, man, it, it can go for a long time. It's not just about so. The way I created the world is the black box universe, and within black box, you have different programs. Chameleon is just one program. You have ghost, ghost program. You have a wind program, aberration, which is a combination of ghosts and chameleons, and they go uh, undercover for like a decade plus. Uh, and so there's so many different avenues I can go down with this black box universe. And I was intentional when I uh, when I created. It. In fact, my eight my agents. Um, and the publisher wanted me to adapt the screenplay into the book, but instead I chose to make the book a prequel to the screenplay. So book two is going to actually be uh, an adaptation of the screenplay. But yeah, it's a big world. So this book can go on. It can live in a graphic novel space. It can live on TV on with a TV show. It can it can live uh, in the film space. So that was kind of the way I designed it. It was kind of like my uh, modern Star Wars universe. Yeah. And you had the benefit of actually having experience on both film and. And yep. like television before yep. writing this book. So you kind of like what you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. being an actor, yep. seeing the angles and then being able to go yep. back and produce after that is a really good that, that it, it's mm-hmm. like being a head chef without being a line cook. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah. People, people jump into that yeah. stuff every now and again. It works. I think Tarantino did a pretty good job. Yeah. It's hard to yeah, argue yeah, with his yeah, success, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he is obviously not the standard. He's a, that's a that's a rare case. And the other thing, too, yeah. is uh, with your acting credits and the <laughs> stuff that you've been on. It's easier mm-hmm. to write from a character standpoint because you yep. know the voice and you're writing yep. it as if an actor is playing it already. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anybody in mind for Chameleon then? 
Yeah, you know, I like Daniel Kaluuya for Chameleon. I, I, I mean, I'm going back to my number one choices, Jonathan Fantastic Majors. Fantastic actor. Love, yep. I love Jonathan Majors for Chameleon because I, I, Creed Three. I mean, the performance he put on, I'm not sure if you guys saw Creed Three, but did. that performance was phenomenal. But then you also see Kang Dynasty. I didn't like the movie at all, but but his performance was the standout performance. But you'll see he was a different person in Creed Three than he was in Kang Dynasty, than he was in, and and you know, name all of these other projects and TV shows. And, 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 and you know, if he could become a chameleon in these different roles, then he could definitely become a chameleon in the, in the film series, mm-hmm. because that's the, uh, that's that one character. He's playing multiple different characters in the film. So uh, I, I'd love Jonathan Majors for it, but I, I, yeah. I, I, Daniel Kalu will be great too. You're just gonna, your, your entire career is just gonna be writing roles for Jonathan Majors moving yeah. forward. <laughs> Not a bad career to Fun have, my man. Sure. Uh, there's yeah. the, the guy who wrote Fruit, uh, Fruitvale Station is doing it for Michael B. Jordan right yeah. now. He writes yeah, every single thing he does. So not a bad career to have at all. And speaking uh, speaking yeah. of this, Chameleon, a black box thriller. This is the first yeah, yeah. in the series, and it and it's uh, July twenty fifth. So next week, it's out. Mm-hmm. You can pre order it now on yeah. Amazon and everywhere else. The and, beauty of pre orders, yeah, because it all counts. Yes, yeah. it all counts towards uh, yeah. the first week of the New York Times bestseller list. That first yeah. uh, week in particular is where all your pre sales count. So it really, really fucking helps. Hardback in yeah. particular is the easiest way to get there. So please pre order the book so that way when it drops, uh, he can get on the New York Times bestseller list, uh, list and push this even further. Um, I'm excited that. for you, man. This is yeah. uh, this is really great. You're such an interesting guy that it's almost too much for one show. Uh, if you're ever in yeah. Austin, Texas, will you just yeah, come in the man. studio and then we can chop it up for a couple hours? No, 100%. I actually wanted to get out there. Me and Ari, who you know helped set this up, we were trying to figure out a way for me to get out there for this one because I hate – I don't no, I don't want to say hate, but I, I – I don't like doing the, you know, the Zoom thing. I like being in person because it's just way better. So absolutely, when I get back out there, um, we're gonna. I'm definitely gonna be there with you guys, knocking on your door, jumping to jump in. Yo, you have a standing invite, man. I mean, your life yeah. is incredible, and uh, we're barely scratching the surface here today. Yeah. So please, yeah. please, when you're in Austin, Texas, come back. You have a standing invite to come on the show anytime you're in town. I don't give a shit if you call me at 2 a.m. I'll, I'll roll into All the right. goddamn studio and turn the lights on. Let's go. Uh, right, now is the point, point in the show. We get to the drinking bro of the week, which is someone who has inspired you or helped you become the person you are today. Who would you like to give the drinking bro of the week to? Oh, man. That's a freaking fantastic question. You caught me off guard. Uh, you guys, man. Uh, I would say you guys, <laughs> man. Thank you guys for what you did. I'm not saying that just, you know, it's filler. Thank you guys for having me on the platform. Thank you for the messages that you guys put out there. And, uh, and I would say that you guys are. Hey, I, I appreciate it. Uh, we try to to give a voice to to dudes like you who are doing interesting yeah. stuff. But uh, yeah. sometimes, I mean, shit, I don't know. You read the message boards and shit like that. What do they say about like when we talk about human trafficking and shit like that? Uh, I mean, our, our group is pretty, I mean, it, it's like a lot of uh, former military, current military and law enforcement. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, they actually give a shit. Well, and they, they, and they, they, they know too. about it yeah. and they're educated about it. Whereas, <clears throat> like, dude, I'm a in real like I'm a fucking civilian, so like I didn't know anything about this shit. If I wasn't friends with so many people in the military, I would never have yeah. known anything about this. Yeah. I mean, it is invisible in the media. There's yeah, not man. there's not a whole lot of uh, big companies that get involved and and leverage their assets and power to stop it. Um, yeah, you know, you can. Although I am working with one 
for the Super Bowl next year that, that is. But um, it, it is rare. You know, it's not a sexy topic, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and it's not. I don't. I don't know that major corporations want their um, want their brand associated with stuff like that. But it's like you've got think think you're you're on a fucking uh, city block somewhere. Um, with a bunch of townhouses and yours is nice, pristine. The landscaping looks great and everywhere around you, it's on fucking fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. Eventually that fire is going to reach you. It, yeah. it, this is ridiculous. The way that we handle the situation. It is. Yeah, man. It is. So, uh, yeah, thank you for everything you're doing out there and it's great. I won't say thank you for your service cause you guys fucking hate it obviously. So <laughs> yeah. we're not going to do that bullshit today, yeah. but, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks yeah. for being a rad dude. That's uh, like, thanks, I've, I've been thinking about this lately. Somebody thanking me for my service is like, they, they show up, they meet me out at the bar and thank me for being drunk. It's like, dude, I did this shit on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. all worked out exactly the way I wanted it to. Yeah. The fuck you thanking me for? It's just weird. It's, it's not, it's not like rude or anything. It's just kind of awkward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When I was yeah. at Olive Garden is, yeah. and people thanked me for my service there though, I, I enjoyed it. I said, well, I appreciate that. You know? I was yeah. really wielding that Parmesan cheese over your salad <laughs> for hours, dude. Olive, and I was getting a workout. Olive Garden's quite a bit tougher than being in the military, though. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I felt that way, man. There's no customer service in the military. You just fuck shit up. Yeah, I felt yeah. that way, too. That's, that shrimp scampi plate is hot, dude. It's hot. <laughs> got to put that on the table fast. You get a service-connected disability rating for that. Uh, <laughs> I should. I should. Go pre-order uh, Chameleon, a black yeah. box thriller. Uh, yeah. It is available now. You can actually pre-order it. It's uh, the hardcover. That'll get them on the New York Times bestseller list, the fastest. Uh, audiobook is also available for pre-order and, as well and, as Kindle. And I'm doing signed copies. So if they, uh, if you go to Talk Shop Live, there's a link in my bio wherever you can get a signed copy. I'm only doing signed copies up until um, the release date next week. Um, and because I got this TV show, I'm going to be doing, it's going to be taking up a lot of my time. So if somebody wants to get a signed copy that goes to the hard, that counts as a hardcover towards uh, New York times bestseller as well. It's the same price if you pre-order it on Amazon, but you get it signed. So oh, that's great. Yeah, uh, I, what's the link for that? We I've, can put that I've in got the description. It. I've got it. I'll send it to you. Okay. It's great. talk shop live, yeah. talk shop dot live. And you can just search uh, Remy Adelecki or we'll post the link in the audio and video description here. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, Remy. Again, anytime you're in town, man, just roll through and we'll have you on. Absolutely. Absolutely. appreciate you guys. Thank you. And yeah, if there's man. anything you guys ever need in San Diego or film TV side or whatever, don't hesitate to reach out. I got you covered. Thanks, Absolutely. Buddy. Some of those tacos, man. I miss the tacos in San Diego. I miss being able to <laughs> drive down from San Diego to TJ and eat lunch and then drive back without getting your fucking head chopped off. Remember yeah, those days? Yeah. That was a long time <laughs> ago, That shit's though. fucking done. Not doing that anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, everybody go order Chameleon uh, right now and help this man get on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, also, go to iTunes, rate the show a five-star, and leave a quick review Head on over to Spotify after that. Just click a five-star and you can walk away. Great show today. For Danton and Anthony Holloway, I'm Ross Patterson. This is the Drinking Bros Podcast. Good night, everyone.